0: However, what I could not do, God did, and doing it, he did it all, sending his own son into the world to die on the cross for my sins, thereby showing me unfathomable love. God loved me so much that that he was willing to suffer the loss of his son, and even more amazingly, he was willing to allow his son to suffer the loss of him at the cross. Jesus loved me so much that he was willing to lay down his life for me. No one could ever love me more or better than Jesus. On the third day after Jesus' death, God raised him from the dead, thereby announcing that his death was completely sufficient to atone for every sin that I have done or will commit throughout my lifetime. God then exalted Christ to his own right hand, where Christ now reigns from on high, granting salvation and forgiveness to all who call on him by faith. Now when my time came and I placed my faith in Jesus, God, con- God instantly granted me a great salvation. He forgave me all of my sins, past, present, and future. He made me his child, adopting me into his family. He gave me the gift of the Holy Spirit. He gives me God's power, who pours out God's love within my heart, and who tenderly communicates to my spirit that I am a child of God and an heir of eternal glory in heaven. In saving me, God also freed me from slavery to any and all sins. I no longer have to sin again, for sin's mastery over me has been broken. In saving me, God also justified me. And being justified through Christ, I have peace with God that will endure forever. In justifying me, God declared me innocent of my sins and pronounced me righteous with the very righteousness of Jesus. God also allowed his future and present wrath against me to be completely propitiated by Jesus, who bore it upon himself while on the cross. Consequently, God also has only love, compassion, and deepest affection for me, and this love is without any admixture of wrath whatsoever. God always looks upon me and treats me with gracious favor, always working all things together for my ultimate and eternal good. God's grace abounds to me even through trials. Because I am a justified one, he subjugates every trial and forces it to good unto me. When I sin, God's grace abounds to me all the more as he graciously maintains my justified status as described above. When I sin, God feels no wrath in his heart against me. His heart is filled with nothing but love for me, and he longs for me to repent and confess my sins to him so that he might show me the gracious and forgiving love that has been in his heart all along. God does not require my confession before he desires to forgive me. In his heart, he already has forgiven me. And when I come to him to confess my sins to him, he runs to me, as it were, and is repeatedly embracing and kissing me even before I get the words of my confession out of my mouth. God does see my sins and he is grieved by my sins. His grief partly comes from the fact that in my moments of sin, I am not receiving the fullness of his love for me. He even sends chastisement into my life and he does so because he is for me and he loves me. And he disciplines me for my ultimate good. I don't deserve any of this, even even on my best day. But this is my salvation, and herein I stand. Thank you, Jesus. So uh, one of the greatest errors in the church today is that the gospel is for new believers or for non-Christians. And as you guys already know, that couldn't be any further from the truth. So, um, This is a book that Ashley and I were introduced to a couple years ago. Uh, we read it together every night before we go to bed. Um, I strongly recommend it. Um, the author isn't some famous pastor or theologian. It's not some huge selling book. It's, uh, um, it's a book that um, I, I don't think a lot of people know about, but it's, it's truly a gem. Um, so I happen to have an extra. Sorry. Thank you. It's called The Gospel Primer for Christians Learning to See the Glories of God's Love. Uh, and the author is Milton Vincent. He's a pastor out in California. Um, So this is an extra copy that I have uh, for anybody who wants it. So there we go. Awesome. Okay. So uh, warm welcome to you all. This is the second week of the Fall Formation offering entitled Good News is for Sharing, an Introduction to Evangelism. Um, So what just giving you guys a a, a quick uh, synopsis of what we're going to do today. What I'd like to do is go over six hindrances to evangelism. And how we can overcome them through the gospel. Uh, But before we do that, uh, I want to just take a couple moments. What we're going to do is we're going to reflect on what we talked about last week. Uh, For those of you who were were here last week, I'm going to need your help. Um, And then after that, we're going to take a few moments to pray. Um, So I asked you guys to think about three people in your life who uh, the Lord is pressing in your heart to pray for, uh, for you to share the gospel with, or for you to continue to share the gospel with. So we're going to take a few moments and we're going to pray. Uh, for those people and for ourselves. Um, so, uh, last week, um, uh, we discussed what we meant by the word evangelism. And then I provided a definition, we broke it down into six different uh, characteristics. So, uh, who remembers one of those characteristics? Who wants to start us off? Compassionate, compassionate yes. So, the foundation of our evangelism should be out of compassionate. We're not forcing somebody to pray a prayer, we're not... Uh, forcing somebody to, uh, to we're not trying to win an intellectual conversation, we're, we're sharing the gospel with them in love, uh, with compassion I I'm okay with silence by the way, I'm waiting on you guys <laughs> I'll help you guys out a little bit. So through what means should should our evangelism be done? Go ahead, Michael. Sorry. Go ahead. I wasn't here last week. Oh, okay. (laughs) I was just by all means, that's By the power of the Holy Spirit, Spirit. yes. So it's not not done under our own strength. Uh, It's not done by power of George, by uh, uh, the power of any of us, it's done by the power of the Holy Spirit. Good. Yes. Anybody else? It's with words. Yeah. Yeah. So it could be, uh, thank you, Ashley. So yeah, it could be um, uh, through written material, of course. I mean, there's nothing wrong, per se, with, uh, with giving a tract to somebody, but, um, but most of our evangelism is probably going to be done face-to-face with, uh, with relationships with people. Thank you. Prayerfully. Go ahead. Prayerfully. Prayerfully, yes. Yep, yep. And that's tying in with relying on the power of the Holy Spirit. Definitely. Um, who is evangelism for? There's the unsaved yes yeah they're, they're, these aren't trick questions they're they're pretty simple uh, i'm not trying to trick you guys here i'm just we're just trying to review yeah yeah it's for it's for non-saved it's for non-christians and um, um one, one of the things we talked about last week is that um in in order for us to reach the lost we have to go typically outside of the walls of this church so um yes we will have people coming to grace anglican and they'll hear the gospel they'll become saved uh and they'll they'll part they'll join our church or some other church perhaps but uh but most of our evangelism is going to be done outside of these walls. So, yeah, we have to go to them. Right. Um, and then what's the purpose of evangelism? Mm-hmm. That they would come to know Christ. There we go. So that they would come to know Christ. So that's our end goal. Um, so we again, we can't save them. That's God's power. And we're trying to be faithful, relying on the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, we're, we're seeking to share the gospel with compassion. Uh, but the end goal is for them to know Christ as Savior and Lord. Um, and, and then the, the final thing is we look to the future. right? We, we trust that, um, Lord willing, if they become saved, they're going to go and do likewise. Um, the Great Commission extends to them as well. Um, to go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Okay, great. Um, so then the second part of what we talked about last week was um, um, how do we share the gospel? So what are, I, I shared four different words that are going to help us to speak about the gospel, share the gospel. So uh, who remembers those, uh, those four words or just one of those four words? Rebecca. The last one is response, right? The last one is response, yep. Mm-hmm. Yep, thank you. God, man, Christ, response. There we go. God, man, Christ, response. Thank you. Um, yeah, so we when, when we start sharing about the gospel, um, a good place to start is talking about God, who God is, uh, uh, who who is He, and uh, what what does He require of me. Uh, when we talk about man, we want to talk about us being made in the image of God, where we reflect God's uh, God's emotions, um, where we excuse me, where we have emotions, where we have intellect, uh, but yet we're marred. We have sinned. We have all transgressed against God. We transgressed against one another. Uh, without Christ, we are without hope. Um, Christ, we talk about His substitutionary death on the cross, um, how our sins were placed on Christ, and how His uh, perfection, His holiness, uh, His goodness were given to us at the cross when we turn away from our sins and believe in Christ. And then response, Rebecca, thank you. Um, uh, what does what does this gospel require of us? Well, the Bible is clear that we repent and we believe, and these aren't these aren't works. This isn't a means to achieve our salvation. It's a natural response to when we hear the gospel. We truly understand it, um, as, as Nick was preaching about uh, this morning. Natural um, uh, response to that is, is a new heart, which is a gift from God. So we, we repent and we believe. Okay, great. So any questions, uh, any comments from last week before we move on to prayer? Excellent. Okay. So uh, last week, um, I asked everyone to think about three people in your life who the Lord is pressing in your heart. Um, to share the gospel with. Um, this might be a family member, a friend, a uh, neighbor, coworker, etc. Um, so what I'd like to do now, it's going to be a little um, uh, irregular perhaps, but it's okay. So I want you guys to kind of step outside of your comfort zone a little bit. What we're going to do is we're going to break, we're going to separate into small little groups of about three to four people, minding social distancing. So you can just, you can even stay where you are and just kind of rotate towards one another. And we're going to take literally less than we don't have a whole lot of time. We're going to take less than like four or five minutes uh, to pray. And we're going to pray for the people that um, that we want to see come to faith in Christ. I mean, of, of course, there's many people. But again, we're, we're particularly praying for three people. So um, so if you're shy, that's OK. You're surrounded by meek Christian Christians, you're not going to die, I promise. Um, so let's go ahead and do that now. OK, let's go ahead and come back. Well, hopefully that was um, encouraging to you guys. Um, yeah, so often we um, we don't pray as we should. Don't we? But, um, it's always it's always encouraging to see other Christians pray, and um, uh, I'd like to like to continue doing this every Sunday. Um, and uh, again, we're we're not trusting in our own power and our own wisdom uh, to share the gospel, but. We're trusting in God. So um, thank you for doing that. I hope that was encouraging to you guys. Um, Let me go ahead and pray for us now. Heavenly Father, we thank you um, so much for the mercy that you have shown to us in Christ. Uh, We thank you, Lord, that you have promised that when three or more are gathered in your name, here you are among us. Uh, We thank you also because you've said in your word uh, that you're not wishing that any should perish, that all should reach repentance. And that if we ask anything according to your will, you will hear us. Um, so, Lord, here we are. We're asking, we're seeking, we're knocking. Uh, we pray for these people in our lives who you've, you've put in our heart. Um, help us, Lord, to share the gospel with them with compassion. Help us, Lord, to be bold in our evangelism. Um, Lord, give us your heart, O oh God. Lord, we pray that you would send out your Holy Spirit to convict them of sin. Um, we pray that you would help them to see their need for a Savior. Open their eyes, open their ears, open their hearts, O oh God. Lord, we pray for our city. We pray for peace. We pray for harmony. We pray that you would give us wisdom, understanding, and boldness. Help us, Lord, to, to use the, the crazy um, stuff that we see on the news and that we're experiencing in our own, in our own lives. Help us, Lord, to, to use those opportunities uh, as, as redemptive opportunities, as gospel opportunities. Help us, Lord, to be sensitive to those, to those things. We pray also for our time together this morning. We pray that you would equip us with gospel truths. Um, Help us, Lord, to be uh, witnesses of your grace to the ends of the world. And we pray all these things for our good and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, so um, what I I mentioned earlier that what I'd like to do today is go over uh, six hindrances to evangelism and how we can overcome them through the gospel. Um, So as we consider some of these things, I'm sure some of you will, will identify more closely with some than others. Um, and, um, yeah, let's go ahead and dive in. So the first hindrance to evangelism, uh, and by the way, we're going to review this next week. So, uh, just, just a heads up, um, first hindrance to evangelism is that of self-perceived ignorance. So again, self-perceived ignorance. Um, so it's not that you don't know you're supposed to evangelize. It's that you don't think you know enough to evangelize. So George, what if I say something wrong? Uh, what if I make matters worse for this person who isn't a Christian? Uh, What if they ask me the super hard question that I don't know the answer to? Um, Regardless of how this self-perceived ignorance may manifest itself, brother or sister, you already know a lot more than you think. Um, If you can say, God, man, Christ's response, and think about some of those things that we've already fleshed out, um, that's that's essentially the gospel. Um, The world is broken and living in darkness. People are going through life blinded by the things of the world. Um, they're living in fear. Uh, by God's grace, again, you already know the gospel of Jesus Christ. However imperfectly, uh, you already know the gospel, and, uh, and, and you can share something about who God is and what he has done for sinners like you and me. Uh, by God's grace, you can share those words of eternal life that have been entrusted to you. Uh, because of the gospel, you have been personally commissioned by God himself to share the good news of Jesus Christ to a lost and broken world. Uh, consider the Apostles Paul conversion in Acts chapter 9. So on his way to Damascus, Saul, as he was called then, uh, he obviously didn't know the gospel. Uh, in the heat of rage and unholy zeal, he was seeking to persecute Christians. And the Lord Jesus Christ himself revealed hit to him from heaven. And he said to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And so you guys know the, the story. What happens next? Again, there's no trick questions here. What happens next in that story? What was that? He says, "Who are you?" Lord? Who? Yep. Yeah. Who are you, Lord? Uh huh. Somebody. So are yep. And then Jesus tells him to do what? Go to Damascus and find a certain person. That's right. So, so did Jesus share the gospel with him? Did Jesus share the gospel with Paul, Micah? yeah yeah and told, and told where to go and then that's right yeah he was he was told so jesus did not share the gospel with him um, he jesus told him to go to ananias an ordinary christian like you or me and remember that the church of jesus christ was in its infancy um, so this new convert ananias of damascus syria um, he certainly didn't know as much as you again the church had just been created Um, How do I know that? Um, Well, again, I mean, just looking at the timeline of it and also the fact that the New Testament didn't even exist at that point. Um, The New Testament is written by uh, the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul wrote 75% of the New Testament. So consider that. So this new Christian, Damascus, uh, was expected to share the gospel with the man who would later become the Apostle Paul, who wrote the majority of the New Testament. And, uh, And anyway, according to the text, even though Ananias was scared of Saul... Um, He prayed for him. Uh, He receives his sight again. Scales come off of his eyes. Um, And as Saul recounts again in Acts chapter 22, when he's recounting the story of his conversion, uh, we learn from there that Ananias shared the gospel with him. So let that sink in. So God chose this ordinary Christian, Ananias of Damascus, to lead the apostle to faith in Jesus Christ. And if God used this brother from Syria who had no knowledge of the New Testament and was a new convert, um, he can certainly use you. Let that be an encouragement. The second hindrance to evangelism is that of apathy. Um, So perhaps you know that God expects you to evangelize, but you aren't too concerned about it anyway. God is sovereign after all. Why does he need me? Uh, He can use any means. He can use somebody else. I mean, surely that person will do it. Um, So you've read the passages in Scripture about evangelism, and instead of sharing Christ with compassion by the power of the Holy Spirit, um, you've resigned yourself to the idea that evangelism is one of those gifts that God only gives to some Christians, not all. It's a gift to those select few, but not to everybody. Um, Or perhaps your apathy isn't so overt. So, George, I barely have the energy to go throughout my week, let alone find the time to evangelize to uh, to others. Um, I don't have the time to evangelize. Surely someone else will do it. The proper response to apathy is the gospel, uh, because it brings about a love for God and a love for man. When we truly understand the eternal love that Christ has shown to us through the death of his cross, we can't help but share the gospel with others. Uh, Jesus said that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So whatever it is that you're the most passionate about in this world, um, that's going to be the center of your thoughts. That's going to be the center of your speech. And if you're struggling with apathy, uh, dear friend, it might be because your, your affections are misaligned and placed on the wrong things. So uh, St. Saint, Saint Augustine once said that our hearts are restless until we find ourself in thee. Uh, in his theology, he talks about um, every human being having a love for something. We're not loveless creatures. We, we all love something. And uh, in, in your case, uh, your internal restlessness might be masquerading through external apathy. Um, you, you might be having your affection set on the wrong things instead of Christ. So what is the proper response to apathy? Well, again, it's the gospel. A brother or sister, think about the cross and consider the compassion God in Christ had on you. Uh, to put it another way, how different would your life be if God had been apathetic towards you? You have been called chosen and kept in Christ to the praise of his glorious grace. Consider the great honor it is not only to be be called a child of God, uh, but also to be commissioned as an ambassador to the world. Remember, these are things in which angels long to look. This is a unique uh, privilege that we are given as redeemed human beings. Um, So Christ is not calling you to some (coughs) extravagant ministry of evangelism, Um, most likely you're probably not going to be the next Billy Graham. Uh, He isn't calling you to do something that you aren't already able to do. Um, The gospel continues to go forth from generation to generation through the lips of redeemed sinners like you and me. And if we don't do it, who will? The third hindrance to evangelism um, is our sin. So if you haven't led the most upstanding moral life, you might feel inadequate to share the gospel. You might feel like a huge hypocrite. So how in the world can I share the gospel with someone uh, when I know that I need to work on my own life first? Well, once again, uh, the way we overcome this hindrance is, you guessed it, through the gospel. Uh, The good news of Jesus Christ, it's not about you. Um, It's not about what God, uh, excuse me, it's not, it's about what God has done for sinners like you and me. Um, Jesus came not for the righteous, but for sinners. Of course, you guys know this. These aren't my words. Uh, Luke chapter 5, verse 32, Jesus says, I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. As I mentioned last week, the Christian life is that of a continual, daily, hourly uh, repentance and faith towards God. That okay. um, we preach Christ, not ourselves. Consider Paul's own struggle with sin in Romans chapter 7. Um, so I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. Okay, all right. (laughs) Um, Where were we? Okay, so I'm going to start over again. Romans chapter seven. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. These are the Apostle Paul's words when reflecting and thinking about his own sin. Um, So again, we all have our own individual temptations and sins. Um, I'm not minimizing that. Um, All of our sins are offensive towards God, and he calls us to a life of holiness. It makes sense. He is our Father. We ought to reflect um, his character. Um, Yet, as we seek to share the gospel with others, we place the spotlight Um, on how great God is. So again, he is the point of the gospel, not us. Uh, Fourth hindrance to evangelism. Uh, This might be um, a little... um, Some of us might not um, um, have this uh, experience so much, but I I figured it's something that we need to talk about. Uh, Fourth hindrance to evangelism are oppressive governments and the threat of persecution. Um, So our uh, great country is becoming more and more intolerant of Christianity. Um, It's sad, but it's not surprising. Um, Despite how bad things uh, may be, uh, remember that you don't have it as bad as other Christians throughout the world. Um, So even today, there are places around the world when sharing the gospel, owning a Bible, converting to Christianity, uh, meeting with other Christians is illegal. Um, So I want to talk about, I will share a quick story. Um, so when Ashley and I went to, uh, on a missions trip to Egypt last year, uh, we, uh, we had the honor of meeting an MBB, this is what they called them. Um, so this is a Muslim background believer. Um, so he's a former Muslim who converted to Christianity. Um, so before the Lord saved him, uh, this brother was immersed in radicalized Islam. Um, and then after his conversion, he had to be very careful uh, with who he shared the gospel with, and particularly with his, with his own family, uh, since doing so presented the very real risk of his own family killing him, for having converted to Christianity, becoming a Christian. Um, we, in our conversations with him, we also learned about um, just the general struggles that, that Christians have, former Muslims who converted to Christ, um, how, how after they professed Christ, were baptized, um, oftentimes they would lose their job, um, so they would be shunned by uh, by their employers, by their families, by society, and um, and then oftentimes uh, it, it would be virtually impossible to uh, to marry somebody. Um, and one of the ways that the government controlled that uh, was because typically not just in Egypt but in the Middle East, and your ID it shares it says if you're a Christian or if you're a Muslim. And, um, anyway, because according to Islam, it's impossible to convert away from Islam. Once you're a Muslim, you're always a Muslim. Um, when these Christians sought to, uh, try to change their ID, um, they would be thrown in jail for quote unquote falsifying documents because again, from the standpoint of the, of a, a Muslim government, um, it's impossible to do that. So, um, so you, you couldn't change that. And, uh, um, so anyway, I share this story um, because it's, it should be a sobering reminder to us um, that there are Christians around the world who, um, who don't have the privilege that we do to be able to share the gospel freely and openly. Uh, Jesus says in John chapter 15, If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you're not of this world, but I chose you out of this world, Therefore, the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. But all these things they will do on account of my name, because they do not know him who sent me. So regardless of how you view the current state of our nation, uh, let us remember how blessed we are um, in that as of today, we're able to share the gospel freely, um, openly, without the fear of, of persecution. Um, let's also remember to pray for the persecuted church throughout the world. A fifth hindrance to evangelism um, are the spiritual forces of evil that work against us and against the spread of the gospel. Um, this is um, something that we typically don't think about in uh, western society as as Western Christians, right? Um, um, I mean we might read about it in our Bibles we might hear a you know, you know a story or two every once in a while but but this isn't as uh, as in uh, the forefront of our minds as it is in, uh, in the minds of other Christians throughout the world. So I'm going to share another story from uh, the mission strip that Ashley and I went to last year. So uh, we had the privilege of going to um, a Zebelin neighborhood. Um, so this is literally a trash city. It's a slum. Um, it's, it's a place where mostly Christians are hidden away from society, tucked away. Um, to live there is to be the scum of the scum. Uh, it's virtually impossible to escape um, these poor people lived and worked among trash. Um, it's really hard for me to really describe how bad it was. Just sitting here comfortably in an air-conditioned room, um, but um, think of children running around barefoot with chemicals and waste and glass. And um, this is where they lived. Um, their houses. There was so much trash all over the place. The trash would just fill into their houses. Little little slums. Um, and uh, this is where they work. This is where they breathe. This is where they live. Um, this this was their life, uh, and, and the only time that they got out of these slums were typically in the morning, four or five a.m., where they would go throughout the city of Cairo <coughs> and retrieve all the trash and bring it uh, back back to this place, back into Zebulin. Um So um, anyway, so we met we met there, and uh, the, the purpose of we were there we were there for several reasons. Uh, one one of the main reasons why we were there is we were um, seeking to share the gospel with the people that live there. So these. Um, most of the people there were quote-unquote Christians. That's what it said on, you know, all their IDs and whatever. But typically that just meant that they were born into a Christian family. And sadly, they really didn't know anything about Christ. Um, they they just knew the name of Jesus, and that's about it. So zero understanding of the gospel. Uh, of course, it's it's good to know about the name of Jesus. But but again, I, I want to emphasize, like, these guys knew literally nothing about Christ. Um, there no stories about the gospel, no, no access to, to a Bible that they could read. A lot of them were illiterate. So, um, so anyway, so we met um, at a local church. Uh, we met with the pastor. We met with other Christians who were there, and, uh, and we were praying. And we were praying that the Holy Spirit would be with us, that he would present opportunities for us to share the gospel. And as, I was, uh, as we were praying there, I felt this huge heaviness uh, come on me. And I knew, I, I, I don't know how to explain it, but I knew that we were going to be facing some kind of evil. I just, I felt this, the best way that I can describe it, just like this gaze, like this evil gaze just watching us. Um, and uh, anyway, as, as soon as I felt that, um, we started, I started praying that uh, the Lord would be with us and that he would protect us. Um, so anyway, Ashley, myself, uh, and our translator, w- was it just us, honey, or was, it was just us, right? Okay, yeah, I don't. Go ahead. Yes, no, was Right. Oh, that yeah, there was yeah, two translators. So Ashley and myself. Um, so anyway, we went out to this family, and the first uh, the, this was the first family that uh, that we went to visit. And uh, the moment that I stepped in the room, I I just I felt that spiritual darkness. Like you go into it and you just feel whew, like heavy. That that's the best way that I can describe it. And uh, we were talking to uh, this mother, and I think she had four or five kids. Um, and uh, one of the, her kids was mentally disabled. Um, the, the father was verbally, physically, spiritually abusive. I'll explain what I mean by that in just a second. Um, and uh, as we started talking to them, I, I asked her if, you know, her whole family's there except for the father. He's in the other room. And I asked if he can just come and join us. And, you know, I'm hoping here he's going to read the, the, uh, hear, hear the, the good news of Christ. And uh, the moment that I said that, um, he started, and I'm saying this in English, he doesn't speak English, he speaks Arabic. The moment that I say that, he starts throwing things across the room. and He's yelling, and I don't know what he was doing, but things were flying. And uh, anyway, it it got loud. Um, I don't know how we were able to kind of carry on the conversation, but it did. And um, again, this just kept on going on during the time that we were there. He was literally throwing things uh, across the room, but he wasn't coming and joining us. So um, again, I don't know how, the, how we were able to continue the conversation, but we did. Uh, the mom was telling us of their hardships, the beatings that she was receiving from uh, her husband, um, the kids' lack of well-being. Again, they live in a slum. Um, and, uh, and then more importantly, she was telling us about um, her thoughts about God. And she was telling us how she, um, she feared um, God because she thought that, God didn't love her, not because of anything she had done, but because of her her husband. So just that she felt the evil that was in him, and, you know, she was just associating herself with that. And uh, anyway, so we could all sense the spiritual oppression this family was facing. And uh, by God's grace, we were able to share the gospel with her, we were able to talk through some of these things. Um, we prayed for them, so... Um, all, all was well, I guess, uh, you know, with me until after we had left Zebulin, um, and, um, about a, an hour or so later, um, when we went to get dinner, I, uh, I just felt again, this huge heaviness come on me and maybe I left my guard down. I don't know. I, I just, as in, you know, not praying, but I just, just felt this huge heaviness. I just felt this huge depression, like just, just unworldly. I, it's, it's hard for me to explain again, sitting here in the United States of America, we're, we typically don't face these kinds of things, but, but I, I felt this huge heaviness and just depression. And, um, and it, it was very clearly something spiritual. Um, and uh, so anyway, I share this with our group and we started praying together as a group and um, started walking. And, and, um, and then slowly but surely, the, um, the, um, the, the, that heaviness went away. So, um, so again, I share that, that story with you to remind you that you, Christian, are in a war. Um, This is something, again, that we don't typically think about too often here in our Western society, but it's true. Uh, The Bible describes Satan as a roaring lion uh, seeking somebody to devour. Uh, Jesus calls him the father of all lies. The very nature of Satan is that of deceit. Indeed, we're told that he disguises himself as an angel of light. In the desert, Satan tempted Jesus to sin through the means of pleasure, power, and worldly goods. In Ephesians 2, we're told that the world is following the prince of the power of the air, Satan, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Finally, in Paul, uh, Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4 that, quote, even if the gospel is veiled, it's veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world, Satan, has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the glory of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So since we live in a secular society, um, Satan seeks to hinder us not so much through overt, spor- uh, through overt forces of spiritual darkness, like the story that I shared from Egypt, uh, but rather through the dulling effect of secularism, uh, not so much through the fear of demonic forces, but the downplay or ignorance of them. So really, there are two hindrances to evangelism here. So, uh, so one, we have the spiritual darkness, the spiritual blindness of believers that's keeping them from seeing the glory of Christ. Um, And second, we also have the spiritual forces of evil working against us and us trying to share the gospel with them. So how in the world do we overcome this? Well, we read in uh, 1 John 4, 4, that he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Uh, We look to the cross of Christ and we see the power of Satan crushed. While Satan accuses us of all of our sins, all the sins that we would be horrified for anybody else in this room to know, Uh, We say to Satan, well, we don't literally speak to Satan, but uh, figuratively speaking, we say, yes, uh, we've done all those things. Yet Christ, Christ paid for them all at the cross. And at the resurrection, God the Father proves that Jesus's sacrifice for sins was sufficient. Nothing could hold Christ down from the grave. Moreover, Jesus has promised to be with us to the end of the age. And again, this is done through the Holy Spirit that is dwelling within us. So even though we do have spiritual forces of evil working against us, we look to the gospel. Uh, We look to the triune God who accomplished such a great salvation for us. Uh, And again, indeed, uh, in 1 John 4, we said, uh, he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Um, So uh, I mentioned there were six hindrances. And if you've been following along and not sleeping, uh, I mentioned there, so far I've only mentioned five. And uh, the sixth one, I've... uh, uh, coincidentally, I'm out of time, but I also was hoping that we can just cover that for all of uh, next week's class, and um, and I think that's the one that we're all going to res- resonate with the most. The 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 sixth hindrance is the one that we uh, we are the most fearful of. Does anybody want to take a guess at, as to what that might be? The rejection. 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 Yeah. rejection. Yeah, the fear of man. Yeah. So, yeah, we're going to talk about that next week. Um, so, any questions, any comments? We've got uh, less than a minute, I think. Right? 11.45, is that right? Man? Yeah. Less than a minute. I'm not ending until somebody uh, asks a question and gives a comment. Uh, sure. Yes, sir? Christians, I Yeah, it. I agree. Christians, yeah. 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 Um, not that he does not speak about the other? You know. Or to love everybody, but yeah. it's particularly but, so Christians. How so how does that relate also to the declaration and uh, and then yeah. of course, one, of, one is our own personal sin, how it gets in the way. Yeah. Uh, that was one of the. Yeah. The uh, yeah. So I guess one, one Bible verse that comes to mind is uh, is when Jesus uh, says to let your light shine before before men. And um, yeah, so we 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 live in a fallen, broken world. And, um, and when they see us, they see a glimpse of who Christ is. And, uh, and um, to some degree, we're, we're, we are a witness to them. So it's not, it's not only with our words. So, of course, I would argue somebody can't be saved unless we speak the words, um, unless we share the gospel with them or they read it in words, obviously. I don't think anybody would agree, disagree with that. Um, but, yeah, I think that complements it, right? So we're, we're to... Um, uh, to be a witness for Christ and our love uh, for one another and our love for our neighbor, um, in um, in our prayers for others and uh, and certainly um, seeking to show hospitality to to believers and unbelievers. And that's the importance. Uh, and I, you know, thanks to uh, Pastor Nick and you know his preaching and his ministry. Um, that's one thing I'm super excited about it in this church. How how gospel centered we are, right? So we we don't graduate from the gospel and move on to things to, to you know. Um, something better you know because um, because we are here for the gospel and uh, and it's the gospel that fuels us to love one another and to love God and and that's what keeps keeps that witness vibrant and strong Uh, any last things uh, before we conclude yes sir it's already um, yeah Nick Nick uh, uploaded last week's lesson online it's on the website so you can go back and listen to it I'm assuming this is recording right now so yeah yep absolutely all right let's go ahead and pray guys Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this day. We thank you for this time that we can uh, consider these things, uh, consider how, um, how these different hindrances to evangelism uh, might affect us. Um, Lord, we, uh, we pray that you would uh, fuel our hearts uh, uh, to go forth and to share the gospel with others, uh, not as a work, not under compulsion, not begrudgingly. Uh, but with compassion, um, out of a natural desire to uh, to love you and to love others. Uh, because this is indeed such great news. It's such great news that we need to go forth and share this with others. Uh, because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So Lord, I pray that the abundance of our hearts would be the gospel. We pray that you would do that through the power of your Holy Spirit. So be with us throughout this week. and. Again, we pray that you would help us to be sensitive to gospel opportunities. Help us, Lord, to be bold in our evangelism. Help us, Lord, to to reach the lost with compassion. And we pray that we would do so trusting in the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.